Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting live from inside Renaissance Bank on Windward Parkway in Alpharetta. And I'm sitting inside a bank that's been voted best in Georgia. Yes, Renaissance Bank. Uh, They've been voted best in Georgia, and I think they received that designation, at least from where I'm sitting, from my dealings with them, uh, because they're big enough to be able to handle pretty much any need that your business can throw at them, but they're small enough to do it in a personal way without running you through the computer or uh, automated voice machine or whatever they, whatever the mega banks have that uh, they use for small business customers. So if you're looking for a better experience for your bank or your business, I should say, uh, with your bank, uh, give Renaissance a try. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Mark Hutchins. Mark is with Silverton Mortgage. Mark, welcome. Hey, Thanks, John. Hey, it's great to have you. Let's uh, talk about you and Silverton Mortgage. How are you helping folks out there? Okay. Well, Silverton Mortgage is a direct mortgage lender, and uh, we're based here in Atlanta, but we're in 45 states licensed. I'm licensed here in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And um, we just basically uh, how I structure my business is that I – Look out for the best interest of the client, not only one sole focus, but making sure that the loan program fits the needs and goals of the particular borrower, because there's so many different angles people can go and take, and one size does not always fit all. Well, let's get into that here in a second. I, I really want to follow up on that, but before we do that, Mark, talk a little bit about uh, you and that, your your journey. I mean, what what uh, attracts you to the mortgage business? Give us a little bit of your history. Well, I, uh, I started out in college and went to Michigan State and <clears throat> got away from home and kind of enjoyed the social life. And uh, so my parents decided it might be a good idea to come home, and I took a full-time job with a bank and went to college full-time. So that was interesting, not much sleep, but uh, – <laughs> I kind of transitioned out of retail banking early on into mortgage banking and at that time. And um, it was an interesting time because interest rates were anywhere from 12 to 16%. Mm. So mortgages still happened and we got the deals done. But what was happening, five-year balloons were popular back then. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my business was trying to help people keep their houses because when they were coming to maturity, people weren't able to fo- afford those new payments. So, All right. So I did that up until the mid eighties and transitioned over in industrial equipment sales and opportunity came along and did that for about 20 years and then found myself back into the mortgage business in the early two thousands. And you, you've been in Georgia how long now? Eight years. Okay. Okay. Terrific. And, um, I guess talk about what that history in the mortgage business has taught you about uh, mortgages and what people need to think about when they get a mortgage. 
Well, they they need to look at the whole spectrum of the the product. Are they are they going to be intending to live there a long time? Some people are very transitory, so they might not be there like some of the older generations where they stay there 30, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one opponent they want to look at. Uh, are they intending possibly maybe to refinance? Are they going to be improving the house or whatever? Because that involves a, a refi. So you might not want to take and put all the cost into the one type of structured loan and then turn around and refinance it and bear those costs again. So those are all different factors. Uh, some people might have to go into an FHA to begin with, and then after a couple of years they can transfer over into a conforming conventional loan. So those are all things that we can take a look at and see what, where the particular borrower's needs and wants are. And, uh, you know, with 40 years of sales marketing, and it's all been customer-focused, so I treat – and take each person that I uh, consult with as if it were me mm-hmm. and uh, how I would want to be treated and how I would want to be guided. It's just not a commodity. So Mark, let's talk about uh, maybe cost of waiting. So you, we've got a situation right now where uh, home prices have been firm. Maybe that's the way to put it, right? Uh, uh, some people might say crazy, right. um, uh, somewhere in between there. And uh, folks are that want to um, switch houses or buy a home for the first time, um, you know, they're having to wait or they, they're thinking about uh, maybe doing something and they're waiting. What's the cost of doing that? Well, a lot of, as you said, a lot of people, especially first-time home buyers, are thinking that well, I'm going to wait until the market settles down, and um, and they're pulling out of the market, and it's bringing on a lot of frustrations with the realtors, the buyers' agents, especially, uh, and people. And a lot of times, they don't look at the whole picture because when property values increase, so does the down payment amount that you need, and we don't see any. The analysts, not me, don't see uh, things slowing down for a while. So we might not get how cr- it was crazy over this past summer because we were getting 1% to 2% a month over month increase. That might settle down a little, but they don't see a decrease coming uh, for some time. So, And then we've also seen uh, lately the uh, interest rates have been a little volatile due to uh, pending inflation and some other economic guides, and we see it ticking up a little bit. So in a sense, you got a double-edged sword going on where you're having housing prices continually to go up, and the interest rates are ticking up slightly, so it's minimizing a person's ability to purchase unless their income is also following up those increases. So while they might be a small change, they do have little impact it does have a little impact in the overall uh, purchasing power of a person. Now, typically, when interest rates tick up, values tend to go down, but it would have to – I did a quick analysis of a 1% difference in interest rate. It would The market would have to drop on, a, let's say, a $450,000 house down 50000 for, and it becomes evens in mm. a sense. Right. Uh, so you'd have to wait for a good decrease 
and also you're you're seeing prices increase or the interest rates increase. So just that is gonna it's better to buy maybe when it's higher and the interest rates are very favorable right now. Yeah. Well, and, and it seems to me you're giving up, if you decide to wait, um, you're giving up the, those months that where you're building up equity, you're building up an asset, which, um, I'm sure, I'm sure you're about to tell us that that's usually the biggest uh, asset people end up having, right? Right, Is their home. And, uh, I mean, just a, a, a quick conservative, Look at what has happened over the last six months. Increase some average household part in here in uh, North Fulton. Somebody in a let's say a four hundred fifty thousand dollar house just had a meager four percent increase in housing prices, which in some areas has gone up much higher than that. Mm-hmm. You're almost losing fourteen to sixteen thousand dollars in equity right there. And since August. Rates have ticked up a quarter to three eighths percent, so that could also impact that uh, that ability of a higher interest payment or a mortgage payment. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, do you walk a borrower through the rent versus buy scenario? Yes. Okay. We, um, I hear a lot, especially from people that first time home buyers. That uh, well, it's right. It would be less money for me to to rent right now. Well, rents are are also increasing because demand in the area itself here. It, it, we got influxes of businesses moving into the area, so rents are on the increase. So are housing prices. So <clears throat> in the short term, yeah, rent might be a little bit lower per month on your out, but in the long term, the the um, equity that you build in a home when you own a home, plus your mortgage principal and interest payment stay steady. Now taxes and insurance might increase, but still in the long run, it's going to be better to buy than to rent because mm-hmm. rent you have an, you don't have control over what's the, um, what that rent is going to increase over the long term. Well, and, and, uh, I think it's pretty well documented out there. So we're, I'm not going out of limb by saying there's a shortage of rental properties. I mean, that's a, that's rents are going way up. So you're going to probably be, depending on where you live, you're going to be paying more in rent next year. So you need to take that into account. Yeah. You see some of that being built up, you know, more places to rent, but Mm -hmm. you also saw this past year landlords that were maybe absentee landlords, so to speak, Mm -hmm. taking advantage of the gains in their properties and selling them too. So that minimized the available homes, let's say that would be available for rent. Right. Got it. Got it. Folks, we're here chatting with Mark Hutchins. Mark is with Silverton mortgage. Um, A lot of folks have student loans, student loan debt. Talk about how student loan debt is factored into uh, the, the income ratio you have to have to buy a home. Well, if you have student loans or you took out student loans for your children, you're not alone. A large portion of Americans have student loan debt. And matter of fact, John, it adds up to about $1.5 trillion mm. right now. Wow. So having a student loan doesn't necessarily mean your dreams of home ownership are, are dead. Uh, there's different strategies and ways that we can figure in that you can do both. Mm-hmm. And um, you're still 
your student loans aren't accounted for in the uh, front end de- debt to income ratio that where you, we figure out your housing and compare it to your income, but it is in the overall accumulative debt to income in there. So there's, um, there's a couple programs that we can look at to see what best suits you or suits the borrower. You might want to consider refinancing your student loan or it's called a, a repayment program that's income based. And that would put it at a lower amount. And in some programs we can use that amount in the, in towards your debt or there are different programs that either use half the remaining balance or a full percent of the remaining balance to calculate that in. And if that that factored in is within the ratios of debt to income, then we can do a home loan for a person. Mm-hmm. So it just it's a matter of doing the calculations and which direction and what type of programs. There are first-time homebuyer programs that also have those same calculations within it to figure out what direction is best for that particular borrower. And this is something that, um, again, it's, it's having a conversation. And, and one of the things I think I've heard you say along the way is, um, come see me first. I mean, before, before you're thinking about, before you go even looking at houses, right. See me first. Yeah. It's, uh, far too often people, think it's fun to look online and look at houses, get a realtor and drive around on a Saturday or Sunday and looking at homes and then giving it as an afterthought. Oh yeah, I might get my need to get my finances in order. And it, the longer you can give a person can give themselves in preparation, the better, because there are number one, there's different various uh, credit bureau reviews for different purposes. You have your insu- you know, insurance person pulls a credit rating. That credit rating could be different than the one for consumer debt, like a car loan or whatever. And then there's a mortgage one. And I, I've seen it where people think they have a very strong credit scores and they pull it you know, for the mortgage. So there's things that I can help people with in preparation. And sometimes it's a matter of a couple tweaks. Mm. And a couple strategies to to help them get boost up the uh, boost up their credit score. So the further before you need to go looking or want to go looking at that house, you can do. Um, <clears throat> I can pull credit and take a look at it and then look at see what what we're what we're up against and prepare the borrower accordingly. Um, and then also in addition to pre qualification versus Pre-approval, pre-qualification is a matter of just asking a couple of questions. I get a little more in depth in that, but that's me looking at it. Mm-hmm. Where pre-approval, we have a program where we can actually put it through live underwriting minus the property. So then when a person goes out, they're assured that their credit is golden and when it gives a leg up, so to speak, um, when putting in an offer, when it's very competitive out there with the offers. So that's nothing that you can do and expect to do at 11 o'clock on a Saturday and expect to have it by noon. So <laughs> right. give, it, give it a week at least. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so let's talk about um, investment properties and second homes. What, what are you seeing there? Well, 
especially during the at the beginning of COVID, remarkably, we got real hot in the second home market. People wanting to buy second homes and uh, a little further out away from the city or even moved out of the city. Mm. And uh, second uh, <clears throat> second home is considered a one-unit property that it's intended to live in at least part of the year or visit on a regular basis. So that usually primary uh, <clears throat> home or owner-occupied home that you, you use as your primary residence is considered on the same level as the second home. Mm-hmm. Part of last year, there was a little differential involved in that, but that has since gone away. And investment properties are typically purchased for generating rental income and are occupied by a tenant for the majority of time of the year. It's not where you go in and fix it and renovate it and flip it. It's intended. These are the type of loan products I do are intended for you to a person to keep it and rent it back out. Got it. And then there's a, there's some difference in cost in getting the investment property loan. Mm-hmm. And you have to have reserves to make sure if you don't have a tenant, you can afford to pay the um, <clears throat> pay the monthly mortgage that's due. Sure. And then uh, lending requirements for both single family and um, the investment property are a little more stringent than the primary residence. So those are th- all things we take in consideration and prepare the borrower prior to in submitting the application. Sure. And now some people might be tempted to uh, <clears throat> list a rental property as a second home to avoid higher interest rate and down payment requirement, but that is considered occupancy fraud. And I wouldn't highly suggest it because it could be under IB, uh, FBI investigation and the <laughs> penalties. So we want to be honest here. So. Yeah, yeah. Now you got my attention. I want to make sure I understand what you just said. Um, give, give an example of what you're talking about there. Well, you know, somebody goes in and says, yeah, I, I want to buy this house and it's going to be my second home. Let's say up on the mountains. Yeah. And they might in the back of their mind, yeah, I'm going to turn it around and I'm just going to rent it. I'm not going to use it as my vacation home. Ah, okay. Okay. And so you, that now, it doesn't say that you buy a home that you're living in and at some point in the future you want to sell the house and in determining whether you want to keep it or sell it, decide to turn the house that you were living in into a rental property. There's, that's not forbidden or anything, you can do that. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like in the other one where you can cross over to a gray area with, you had the full intention that you were going to turn it around into a rental property. Yeah. It might be, might be under a close eye when, when reviewed. Ah, okay. Good advice from Mark Hutchins folks. He's with Silverton mortgage. So, um, Mark, you've got a lot of, um, you work obviously closely with real estate agents Talk about the the tools, the reports that you offer them as they work with their clients. Well, yeah, I have tools that will be helpful to the real estate agents, the financial planners, and the borrowers. And uh, I have a um, <clears throat> mortgage professional have the, I have as a mortgage professional professional I have the tools and the, the and value and experience to help real estate agents and their clients determine what direction and 
where they might, might want to go and look and how much they can afford and that type of thing. I also have community reports and report cards for specific locations mm-hmm. to help them, in addition to what realtors might also have too, and we can you can co-brand that type of thing. And uh, the tools provide real estate agents and borrowers with um, different datas in different historical areas, some amenities around that area. So mm. it, all this I can pull together and, and whether a listing agent is trying to promote their listing or a buyer is going into an area and they want to make sure there's services in the immediate area that they need and those type of things. Um, there's reports that allow me to stay ahead of rate changes that I get on a daily basis. I have two sources that I look. We can see where the, how the treasury market bills or bonds are going, the mortgage-backed securities, the stock market, and how that all plays in and what lenders determine what the rates are. Because I go into a pricing engine, even though I'm a direct lender, which means we control the whole process and fund the loan at the closing table. Mm -hmm. But I can go into, and my pricing engine has several different lenders that I can go in and see what that particular loan program and which lender would give the, what kind of rates and whatnot offered with that program. So that's another tool that I have. No. And then, um, and then, you know, keep, you want to keep the, uh, I have a mortgage app that allows the borrowers and listing agents to keep track of what's going on. Even allow, it allows to alert the, um, realtors when the appraisal was completed. So it, it's a thing that they just have to go in and download the app. And, and then the app itself gives a lot of tools to the borrower themselves so they're looking at a particular property, and they can look very easily, plug in a couple numbers, and uh, plug in a couple numbers and uh, determine what their projected mortgage payment would be. Oh wow! I mean, they can always call me, but oh, I mean, sure. it helps yeah. them on the fly because a lot of people are looking at several at one time. So yeah, of course. They want to they want to do that kind of thing. So, and then with financial planners, um, I have different comparison tools to help them with. You know some of the things that how the mortgage would fit into their whole financial plan, in in future planning, retirement planning, however the, that may be. So there's several several reports and analysis that I can do for various people depending on what their focus is. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Um. So Mark, in uh, in summary, I mean, what 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 do you uh I guess sum it up for folks that are looking for uh, service in a mortgage company. I mean, in, in a mortgage uh, uh, originator like you are. I mean, you've been at it a long time. You've been at different companies. Um, what should folks be looking for? Well, they want to make sure that they're, you know, they have somebody that's going to walk them through, whether it's the first time or the fifth time, because, I mean, I do it every day. Well, five days a week or six yeah. days or whatever the, you know, whatever the market uh, offers itself. But um, the, uh, and there's little ins and outs that people might not be aware of that they want to, they want to make sure they're getting guided properly through because it's not a rate is not the singular focus. There might be other things uh, involved in making sure that that is really going to give you the best value and it's going to suit your needs because you could be costing yourself otherwise by not looking at those other factors and then just making sure everything gets done. 
because I've had, I've had where other people have gone into other big lenders and the file sits and people just didn't take the time and look for specific nuances for that particular borrower to get the deal. And it wasn't that they were a bad borrower. It's just they, yeah. they had, uh, you know, maybe a business owner just, you know, yeah, I've had enough experience working with business owners and business people to, to what to look out for and how to, how to flag certain things to make sure we can get the deal done. Sure. Sure. Well, Mark, this has been great. And I can't, uh, I can't imagine there aren't some folks that are out there thinking about buying an, uh, their first home or, um, upsizing, downsizing, whatever they're looking to do that wouldn't want to be in touch right. with you and learn more information. So, uh, let's, uh, uh, guide them to where they need to go. How can people get in touch? Well, you can go to Silverton Mortgage dot com backslash Mark Hutchins. Okay, that'll take you to my specific portal, and then uh, also Mark Hutchins at SilvertonMortgage.com dot com is my email address, or you can call six seven eight six two six zero three one eight extension. Three two six and talk to me there. Awesome, Mark Hutchins, folks. Mark's with Silverton Mortgage. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me, John. Yeah, thanks, uh, folks. Just a, a quick reminder: if you're looking for a unique way to build camaraderie in your uh, team, your corporate team, your organizational team, uh, here, here's a suggestion for you: go to ansculinaryconcepts.com and check them out. Uh, or give Andrew Traub, he's the executive chef over there, give him a call, 678-336-9196. Now, you may not have thought of this uh, culinary studio like ANS Culinary Concepts as being a great place to do corporate team building, but I can tell you I've been there and it's a lot of fun. Uh, who knew you could stand around a table, season meat and cut vegetables, and uh, build uh, the spirit and camaraderie and morale in your team. Uh, it's a terrific uh, way to do that. And, of course, if you want to know about their corporate catering and big green egg boot camps, uh, Andrew will be able to help you with that as well. 678-336-9196 or go to asculinaryconcepts.com. And, folks, just a quick reminder that uh, North Fulton Business Radio is on all the major podcast apps. You can find our uh, show by searching North Fulton Business Radio on your favorite podcast app. We're on all of them. And uh, we're coming up, uh, well, we just passed show number 400, so uh, on to 500 and and more. If you would uh, like to connect with us uh, on our website, go to uh, North Fulton Business Radio X. Dot com. And for my guest, Mark Hutchins, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.